In the words of the legendary Lou Gellerman, hello, dog fans, and welcome to the Sound the Siren podcast, because everything matters, but perhaps nothing matters more than beating Oregon. It's hate week. I'm your stand-in host tonight. What I lack in vocal baritone, I vow to supplement in a desire for a new athletic director. Hooligan has the night off. He is sending UW his resume for either athletic director or offensive coordinator. Both positions, he likely has higher credentials than the folks in those offices. Um, I'm joined tonight by Johnny Tugs, Hood Husky, DJ K. Woody, and Squints. How's everybody doing tonight? Go dogs. Oh, good. We out here. All right. So we'll start off as usual with what's everyone drinking tonight? Starting with Johnny Tugs. Well, we had a, a late Taco Tuesday, so I've been crushing margaritas since four. <laughs> as you should, sir. As you should. Hood, what about you? Um, I wish I could uh, join in on some margaritas right now, but uh, just sipping a uh, an arrogant bastard ale. Not 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 going to tell you I'm a fan of it, but uh, it's 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 all right. It's Was it's not a, water. Is that a shout to Jimmy? Ah, it could be. It mo- ah, it shit there. <laughs> Pass the arrogant bastard ale. <laughs> All right, DJ, what about you? Honestly, forgot to get a, gr- a drink. I was uh, eating some ice cream just now, so I guess I can count, but I might grab something in a minute. <laughs> Hashtag paternity leave, am I right? Yeah, oh, only a couple more days. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Squints, how about you? I got some whiskey with some uh, berry, berry something. So, nice. does the job. Yeah, I'm drinking more whiskey than berry. You know it. You know it, Hood. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a canned dry fly Moscow Mule, and it is definitely doing the trick. So we will just dive right in and start off with some stupid tweets. Hey, Tugs, do you have one for us? Uh. I have a whole thread of this person. Everything this person said is, is dumb. <laughs> Dogman67. We should name the Stupid Tweets segment after him. I feel like he has a somewhat recurring role in here. Yes. Yes, he does. All right. Squints, did you have one? Yeah. Mine is from uh, Bruce Feldman. It's actually from about two weeks ago. <clears throat> Let me read it. It says, among the coaches in the mix for the Washington State vacancy with Nick Rolovich out, Texas assistant head coach uh, Jeff Banks, a a former WSU player and assistant, is one to watch. He has some influential Wazoo people in his corner pushing for him. Uh, Ten days after this tweet went out, his stripper girlfriend's monkey bit a kid at their Halloween party. So great job, Bruce Feldman, calling out uh, Nick or uh, Jeff Banks as a potential head coach candidate for Wazoo. You would have fit right in. Hire this man. Elite foresight. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Now, if you had stripper uh, bites a kid or stripper's monkey bites a kid on your 2021 bingo card, drinks on me. Yeah. Yeah. And, And and potential WSU head coach. Yes. Stripper girlfriend monkey bites a kid. Yeah. You you can't make that story up. That's 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 amazing. Yeah. 
Now the question is, does... what's her name? Oh, oh uh, the pole assassin. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, yes. that's her. So, so now that all this information's out, does he? Where in the, the the list of potential head coach at WSU does he go? Does he go up or down? I'm not quite sure. I, I hope he goes up. Does this I think qualify him more? Yeah. I don't think it matters. I think that it's like, yeah. okay, now people know his name, so maybe it goes up. Yeah. Good stuff. She's got good evidence, too, so hey, maybe not. <laughs> so my stupid tweet for the week is from uh, John Malman, who was quoting somebody who was on the NFL Network as saying, quote, Dante Pettis doesn't have a history as a punt returner. And today, on this date, four years ago, November 4, 2017, Dante Pettis broke the NCAA punt return for touchdown record with nine. So he may not have a history in the NFL as a punt returner, but he sure does in the NCAA. So that was a stupid tweet. Stupid quote. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> All right, I got, I got one. or Actually, I got a couple. Yeah. Uh, so, well, one of them is not – it's like a string of a few tweets – by a handful of UW fans, and I'm not going to say names on there, but uh, we were talking about it in our group chat. This guy named uh, Jaden Gordon, he's a duck, but he's also a Husky fan. And anyways, he was posting some stuff and then saying how he didn't, he applied to UW and didn't get into school, you know, and so he, he wanted to get into school, obviously, but then dog, dog fans are like making fun of him and saying bad shit to him like it was pretty uncalled for and the guy seems or a kid i mean, he's like 20 years old so i call him a kid but seems like a really really good kid and so yeah didn't didn't appreciate that disrespect there again i won't name the, the tweets but then the other one was uh in a thread with a, uh i think one of our uh, one and only that man al uh but it wasn't him that tweeted somebody he was talking about the the NIL that we're going to be talking about with UW and somebody was, was mentioning, you know, Amazon and Microsoft being involved some big companies. And then somebody responded, Bloom time says, never have I seen an, an Amazon or Microsoft ad with an athlete, but yes, you can correct it. It is something Nike and Phil and I can't compete with. I mean, I don't know if he's wrong, but like NFL broadcast Thursday night football on Amazon. And again, those are two of the biggest, companies in the United States and it's just idiotic that I've just seen this in multiple tweets, Oregon fans trying to, I don't know, play it down. That's this NIL announcement. Yeah, but pretty dumb. Lame. All right. Well, we can go right into, you know, hey, we surprised everybody, including probably most of the people on this pod. And we, we squeaked out a win on the farm last week. What? 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 How'd that happen? All right. Like, so what do we think? Stanford, like good, bad, ugly. What do we think about what happened in Palo Alto? Road game. I thought we looked uh, spurts of being really good and then spurts of like, what the hell are we doing? I thought our defense looked pretty good. Um, I'm... I don't remember his name offhand, but the freshman D tackle is an absolute stud, and we Tuna need to Upi? Get... who? Tunu Upi. I yes, yeah, and then um, 
we need to get the ball to J-Mac way more than we are. Dude's a stud. And that catch in the back of the end zone to win the game was ill. Yeah, if we could start every game the way we started uh, the fire we had against Stanford, I would be a happy girl. I'd love that. Um, I'd, I, I like to see that energy, the passion, the fire coming from everybody to start the game. And I thought that was, I mean, whether or not we had successful offense, which like, obviously we like, we would have liked to have seen a lot more touchdowns and field goals, but um, the energy was there. So I liked that. The craziest thing about our offense was like, I went back and watched uh, part of that game and we had some really good looking plays. Like we had some, you know, in places we had some third down conversions with some RPOs, uh, you know, reading the right guy at the second level and pulling it and throwing the, the slant in behind him. Uh, we had some, some good pass plays. We had some good run uh, stuff. We had, you know, in addition to uh, some inside zone that we did, we also were pulling the backside guard and tackle uh, with a basically a five man, uh, uh, you know, with or without a tight end, uh, and we we looked really competent. And then we would get in second and long and do a fullback dive and just kill the drive. And we did that over and over and over again. You know, looking back, I, I thought like this is not a coherent offense. It really seems like there's multiple people involved in the play calling. And like one play is really good, and then one play is just horrible. And they don't go together. They're not setting. Like usually, you build on plays, right? Like you, you, you run a certain play, get the defense going one way, and then you run the counter play off of that, right? And you kind of build that up. There was none of that. It was just a throw, throw your playbook in a bag and pick them out of a hat. It was just a really weird game. But uh, the the positive side is. We do have enough, you know, co coherent plays in there to make a really solid offense. We just got to string them together and, you know, start play calling uh, effectively. Yeah, we got a late addition to the podcast. Welcome J-Cap. J-Cap. What are you drinking, brother? What up? What, what are you drinking, brother? Well, I'm pouring it up right now. <laughs> Here we go. A Wellington Creek straight rye. Come on. Ooh. Long okay. week, bro. Dude, don't even start. Don't want to go home. <laughs> so we're talking about uh, thoughts about Stanford, the takeaways, the good, the bad, the ugly right now. Um, and Squids right. just kind of did some X's and O's and um, talking about how, you know, it wasn't always pretty, but we ultimately we liked the, the seeds of what we're seeing offensively and obviously uh, really love to see the emergence of Tuna Ufi. And um, no, one saw, no one shouted out Carson Bruner yet, but – Man. Jumped in too. Yes. Yeah. Those yep. guys change the defense. Those those three. Uh, especially in the run game. And then yeah, Squints, I'm glad that you brought up the running plays that our offense ran. It was it definitely threw in some different run plays than we've seen for the most part with some of the counters and like the pulling of the of the lineman and not just a half fullback dive or a halfback dive up the middle every play for a run. So I was, I was happy to see that. And then, yeah, as you guys already mentioned, the defense stepping up, especially with those guys that we just mentioned. And they they better all be playing starting or playing most of the game against Oregon because we need them all. 
I would say at the beginning of the season, isn't this the game that everybody, like, even if we had a great season, this was the game everybody thought was going to be the L. No matter yeah. what our season outlook was, this was everybody, everybody thought it was going to be the L, and they For sure. flipped that script, script on us. Um, yeah, I agree, man. I'd say the, the energy was definitely different for this game. Um, like I said, uh, pre-show, it seemed like this game was circled on the list for them, um, kind of struggling uh, up until this point, but it seems like these next two weeks are what the team had circled on the calendar, and they're going to like exude all their, their, their efforts and energy into this. The game was completely different in, in regards to personnel by by force but then also by like alignment um it, there was a lot more heavy packages in there to kind of stop the run first game you saw where they actually had stopped the run under 100 yards i think it was like in the 70s um and you you guys already shouted out Voy carson and dom i want to give a uh, troy uh left tackle man a yeah. shout out as well there was a lot of people on their asses uh you know uh, uh versus stanford so um as uh, MJ Ale as well, a lot of people were on their ass. Uh, I think it was Lake that said that was the most physical game that the offensive line had played, and we had done that with two backups in at right tackle as well as left tackle. So that shows us the future is bright at the position as well. Um, yeah, so I really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm excited to see if they'll continue kind of the same personnel, even with people healthy um, adverse Oregon. Troy, looked I think real I wanna, good. I wanted to add is I think. Yeah, our offense looked a little bit better, uh, especially with the different play calls we were running. And we just need to – and I think the stat is, like, are we 100% in the red zone, meaning that we've scored every single time in the red zone? Yep. But we just need to finish it yep. by touchdown, getting touchdowns. And, you know, we're there knocking on the door a couple times. We just got field goals. And I think a lot of that has to do with play calling. And I don't know they get really conservative, just want to run a couple runs and then have to do a pass, something like that. But they definitely need to improve on that. And if they would have just got, I mean, it's easy to say, but at least two of those field goals could have been to touch to touchdowns. You know, we're scoring 30 points or close to it that game. So, yeah, just need to execute better there. Your wide receivers have to win in the red zone as well. Like, that's a big yeah. thing. One mm -hmm. thing that's not a part of, uh, if you look at red zone scores a lot, one thing that's a part of them is scramble drills. It looks like we're not good at that. Uh, I think it was the second possession where Dylan's in the red zone, and he just keeps running out of bounds when there's nothing but green grass where he can stop his feet, have a scramble drill, throw the ball open. So we're not good in scramble drill in the red zone. So that's – or even we don't run any boots. We don't run anything to get yeah. him to the edge to – because he's a, he's a savvy runner, so you know he can easily run it in. Um, it just yeah. seems like if it's not the run game or Wildcat, we're, we're struggling down there. I was pleased to see, you know, we got some really uh, potentially game-changing uh, calls that went against us in the late third quarter and early fourth quarter on the refs, you know. You know, mm -hmm. we got that garbage call um, against ZTF when the clocks hit zero and they called them for the offside, and that led to a touchdown for Stanford. Um, really, really terrible spot on the third and two for Cam, um, and it really looked like, okay, if you're going to pack it in and lose the game, you know, like those were those were really shitty calls. So I can I can hardly blame you. So to to rally after that had happened, I was really proud of the resolve of the team, and that they didn't quit, and they stayed their focus, and um, you know were able to muster that that last um, drive and and you know threw a, a wonderful ball to Jalen and you know he caught the ball. So you know great, but um, it's it's really easy when you're already kind of 
not believing that you could maybe win the game to kind of pack it in and say like, well, we tried and they didn't do that. And they won in a place that they haven't won in 14 years. So, um, you know, props to everyone, you know, the lots of good vibes from the, that game that was, um, you know, everyone was riding a high after that. So uh, one of the uh, unsung, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say one more thing in relation to somebody who stood out. Um, and in the GC, I wasn't giving them the, the, the credit they deserved. After watching the game a couple more times, uh, Cam Davis most definitely uh, played. A, was a key catalyst in the, in the dub. Um, my thing is that I, I felt like there was some burst missing, but I, I had to step back and realize this was his first game being the bell cow. So he was a little tired. He was kind of a little banged up. I saw the knee brace and stuff. And he, he, his first carry did not look like a fourth quarter carry, but at the same time, he was able to kind of um, weather the storm and, and, and carry the load. So, And you can tell he's probably a little bit hesitant given his prior like fumbles, and so I didn't want to mess up too bad either. And uh, oh, sorry, Quince, yes, you're going to talk. I was going to say something, but yeah, I'll, one I'll of the you. One of the uh, unsung heroes, I think, is our <clears throat> defensive backs. Uh, in the fact that they didn't really show up, they weren't really involved because they're – uh, coverage was so good. And, and w- you compare that to, like, the Oregon-Stanford-Oregon game, right, where, like, you know, Oregon's got the ball late, or Stanford's got the ball late, and it's, like, <clears throat> not super surprising that they drive down. Like, you're like, all right, maybe this is 50-50 here, right? And, like, they're going up against a really good, you know, Oregon defense, unfortunately. but uh, And they ended up pulling out that game with a, a late touchdown at the end uh, to tie it up and, and you know, that that was a decent defense and the entire game they had nothing right the stanford offense had nothing and that was weird to to um uh matt pair those up the stanford game and the oregon game and the uw game for stanford and i think that speaks a lot to our defensive backs huge huge element to just kind of speak to that um Yurashek, uh, I, I watched David Shaw's post game, and he just said that Yurashek is probably one of the best tight ends in the country. And I was like, "What? Like, okay, sure." Went back and watched the game, and just kind of watched his fluidity and watched how he got off uh, versus us, and how they specifically attacked Jackson uh, with him. Uh, so that's what's kind of got me a little bit of nervous in our pass game. Is it's not necessarily our safeties at that uh, third level, but that uh, that that whole shot that can be right behind Jackson's ear. So. What does Oregon do? They like to pass to their tight ends a lot. They like to dump to their running backs where it kind of takes our DBs out of it a little bit. So that's a little concerning. And, you know, I know we're on a little bit of a high with the W, but, you know, there there's definitely some things that we kind of talked about that, you know, we definitely need to improve on, especially with, with the play calling. Because, you know, that last drive, obviously if we don't score, we lose that game and we're probably – be all complaining about everything else. Uh, I think a couple things, the turnovers, uh, great. And it, but it shows how much our defense needs those turnovers because we're like the bend but don't break, you know, so we're most likely going to give up points on a lot of drive, whether it's field goals. Short or fields. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what was the other thing? And then I know that I know our defense got that stop when Stanford got the ball right before we got it last. But we're, we knew they were going to run it three times. But man, our defense—they need to—they need to make a stop at the end of the game, where they need to make a stop. Like Cal, they gave up that that, that drive to tie the game up. Oregon State, the drive to win the game, and then you know almost did that same thing to Stanford. But luckily, they made a stop again. And yeah, they just need to buckle up on those and 
and just make some plays. It's good having ZTF out there. Maybe he can get some sacks or something like that. But, yeah, that's a little concerning for me. Savelle forcing that uh, that Aaron throw on third four to give us the ball back was clutch as well. Yeah, yeah. Any other Stanford takeaways, or should we move on to the Oregon preview? All right. Mallard time. All right, Tate week, you guys. It's Tate week. God, I no? love Tate week. Girl. First for the hate week. Yeah. Hey, come on, bro. Hey, you cold, bro. <laughs> he cold-blooded. The, the Oregon hate he's, on a new level. Like, yeah. Yeah. Steph Curry threes. Yeah, those are great. Kill hey, you Donald. gotta, you gotta, you gotta bring your A game for a week like this. Squints was saving it for this week. <laughs> on another point. Well, it's gonna be a wet one on Saturday. Uh, probably gonna see a lot of ground game. I bet. Probably not gonna see a whole lot of passing. I don't think because it's gonna be probably a little bit windy and a lot of rain. We know that. So. So Cam Davis better hold some on big to the hits. ball. Is what you're telling me? Yep. Are you guys all in a covered section or or no? Nope. Big no. fat no. I'm not. And I ain't tripping. <laughs> yeah. I, I have rain here. I'm I'm section. <laughs> Man, anybody anybody kind of feeling like this 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 is a this is a, a trap game for Oregon? You know what I mean? Like you throw that number four shit out there, and it's like last pod. Hugs, you and me and Hooligan were talking about like how this is the gauntlet for UW. Like starting last week with like, man, it's a stretch of really tough games for Oregon. They this is this is their next four weeks, including Seattle. They have Washington at home. Then they play Washington State in the Austin, which like caveat to that, Washington State's on a bye this week. Oregon, as we know, has a history of what's that? Losing to the Coug. Then they go to Salt Lake, and Utah is on a mad hot streak right now and then they come home and they play the best team in the vaunted power of the beads so like i'm sorry like that there's no way they come out unscathed in that trip even if they get no even if they get a, a, a win in seattle even if there's no way that they get more than three wins there's no way so yeah i don't think it's it's possible i mean whether it's us or i mean you're right there's just no no way that i can see them going Four zero with how not great they've looked against every single one of their opponents. They put all their eggs in the Ohio State basket, and they credit to them. They went into Columbus and they won. Good for them. But every other game has been way too close. They got challenged by Arizona, which so did we. But I mean, we're not a top not twenty-five four. program. Um, but I mean, they they got challenged by Arizona. They got challenged by Cal. And they're they're just not going to come out of potentially four of the best teams in the Pac-12 uh, without dropping one at least. So, uh, and and what actually, it... I, I was just going to say I think that the besides being a trap game with UW, an emotional trap game for for Oregon if they beat UW is definitely next week because oh, Washington sure. State would love nothing say. more. Sure. They have nothing to lose. They don't even have a head coach. They're going to come into Austin with house money thinking they got nothing to lose. So. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm Predictions concerned. Are... L. I'm pretty confident of that, to be honest. But still hopeful. But, yeah, I think 
I don't know how we'll win. But I mean, we can win if we play to our best ability. We have the talent, but yeah, just just some coaching that's holding us back, in my opinion. I've I've looked at Oregon's like scores, and it looks like you know if Washington can score thirty points. If they can score 30 points, they have a they have a very good shot at winning. If they don't, I don't see it happening. And I don't think the oh, Washington's yeah. going to score 30 points, so I, I don't think so. I, I, yeah. I think that Oregon's going to get held way below their point total, their point average right now. I just don't see Washington being able to score anywhere close to what Oregon's capable of. And I think that Oregon's going to be on the field a lot. It's going to tire out our defense, making them less effective. So... Agreed. And, you know, and I've said this in our group chat as well. Like, we talk a lot of shit about Oregon and how they're overhyped. Uh, and, but I, I still think they're, they're a good team. And people, people want to say, like, oh, Oregon sucks. I mean, no, they, they're, they don't, they're not number four in the country. Suck, DJ. Yeah, they, they suck, but they're not a bad team, I should say. <laughs> but, like, they're not number, I don't think they're the top five team in the country, but, like, you know, I think they're definitely top 15 or 20 probably in the country. So they're, they're a legit team. Uh, Leah, looks like you may not agree with that. Oh, top I definitely team. agree. Okay. I just... okay. Uh, but, yes, that's what concerns me. But, yeah, I'm interested to see Squints, Tugs, Jake, what, what do you guys think? So I think that they – so Oregon does a lot on offense where they try to keep you off balance, right? And they, they try to, like – there's counters, off counters, off counters. They do a lot of varied run looks, and they use those varied run looks to get you out of position, to get you leaning one way, and then they go <clears throat> use their dump-off game and their, their hit-the-tight-ends. You know, they're, they're constantly playing mind games with the linebackers uh, and also the safeties, uh, and then they try to go for the longer stuff down the field. And the... I think the key to the game is going to be one, you got to be effective against the run and you don't have to be dominant against the run to stop it. I don't even think you can, but it's going to be, can you take away that intermediate stuff? If you can do a really good job with your linebackers and your safeties and your, your nickelbacks <clears throat> to take that away. Now you're forcing them to throw down the field more. Uh, and that's going to be really tough, especially as we have, uh, you know, Bruner stepping up and seemingly grabbing a, a starting role. This is going to be his second game actually getting real playing time. That's a really, really tough ask. If he can step up and if he can do that and be good against the run and be good against those, you know, intermediate, short intermediate passing uh, attack, <clears throat> that's, that's the key of the game. So I'm not too worried about them throwing deep unless we really struggle <clears throat> against the intermediate stuff, and we now we have to play out of position with our safeties and, and stuff like that. Uh, and the good thing is, is it's going to be wet, and uh, their quarterback, A.B., uh, has a lot of tendencies to kind of get deer in headlights, kind of get a little bit tight. And I think if there's ever a game where he's going to play tight, this is the game, right? And ball security. He's struggling and with ball that, security. Too. Yep. But if we can th make him start to throw deep, you know, throw into, try to beat uh, uh, McDuffie one-on-one -on -one and everything, like, that's where we're going to succeed, right? Make them a dub, Squints. Yeah. It's going to be tough, right? We have a, a brand-new linebacker 
who's going to be there. Uh, it's going to be tough. It's a, it's a tall order for them. But if we can do that, stop that intermediate stuff, we've got a shot on, on defense. And we just need to convert, you know, touchdowns, uh, drives and touchdowns on offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tight. Yeah. So, Bruner looked like a stud last week. It was I was really impressed. But what your squints, you don't think that we have a chance to stop their run at all? I don't think you're going to shut it down. You just can't be gashed. Yeah. And they play a lot of mind games with linebackers. Constant mind games, everything. I mean, they're, they give you one look, and they give you a slightly varied look to get you out of position, and then it's a design cutback. Uh, like there, though. They are. <clears throat> they are. Um, uh, Overs. Yeah. Yep. yeah. It's more than ever, this game. And, and uh, they're going to be probably hood. easier to come by because the ball will be slick. True. So we just need to understand yeah. that and punch, punch, punch. True. And who you gashed the, the uh, Stanford game, how they used uh, Eurosic to target Sermon uh, with this Oregon offense and what Squints is talking about. Sermon's going to be really in for it. Um, yep. So, I mean, it, it's something that if he – I mean, we haven't seen it all season really, but if he can, can step up and, and play to the level that we need him to play, then – I mean, we're looking at potentially a, a W, but a lot is, is riding on his ability to um, be where he needs to be, when he needs to be there, um, which is not something that we've seen from him much, if at all, this season. So, Squints, like those mind games you're talking about, they'll have a play call, or at least what well, looks like they have a certain play call, but then they see they have three wide out to the left, but only two guys defenders out there and they're like well whatever play we're called we're scratching we're throwing it out there yeah and and our defense a lot of times we leave that we do that kind of stuff where we only have two guys we have a safety deep and stuff so we need to be adaptive a little bit there and making making sure we we have to play the numbers game out outside so i'm a little worried about that that you know how stubborn our, our some of our coaches are they struggle to score in general um uh, it being wet for one, I think, you know, um, I kind of called it preseason. We're just saying that I knew Verdell at some point would go down and it'd be on little Travis Die and three freshmen, you know, and can and can Die kind of pound his way through the gauntlet of the end of the season. I, I just highly doubt it. And I think this is going to be Die's first test at carrying, um, you know, his offense, because I think AB is going to struggle. I think uh, if if they have any success, it's going to be, um, or if he has any success, it's going to be with him running, you know, using his legs to on broken plays and things like that. But I think their offense struggles in general. I don't think their running backs are experienced enough. The running backs that have dominated us have been experienced running backs um, or come from experienced coaches. You know, Michigan, uh, Oregon State, like these teams uh, – had, that had those uh, great rushing attacks against us, you know, those are some really good running backs. Those are NFL running backs. I can't say the same thing for, you know, what Oregon's bringing to the table at this particular time, this particular year. Um, I think they're definitely going to take shots. Devin, Devin Williams is somebody I've been saying is, you know, wide receiver two in the conference. I think they're going to give him some 50-50 shots versus our guys. Um, but I think all those other mighty mites and those short dudes are all going to get stopped. Johnny Johnson's out for the first half as well. Um, I think because of a targeting call, so there's going to be some some miscommunications there. So I think uh, the the it's it's lining up. But you guys go to the offense, and 
that's re really going to be the hindrance. We're going to need short fields. We're going to need Carson Bruno for his fumbles. We're going to need, you know, some some ZTF pressures. We're going to need these short fields for Dylan in this offense. So. You guys need to stop giving me hopeful. Rome's got to make some of those contested catches. You know, he's he does a great job of you know, glad you said it, man. And, I yeah. hope so. Yep. Hey, you said uh, Devin Williams, wide receiver number two in the con conference. Is that because uh, London's out, and that means J Max number one? <laughs> yeah. Hey, that, that could be it too. That could definitely be. It. I think J Mac, you give him the targets, man. He's he's gonna make it happen. Uh, he Caillou Blue Kelly leaves the conference in PBUs, and it was mano a mano, you know, to win the game. Not not. I don't think it was on the slant and go, but I mean uh, those two RPOs, uh, slant posts back to back, on him confidently getting up in his face, first down and in his face. Like, uh, that's what we're going to need, man. And we're going to need TB to make some of those contested catches early in the game for rhythm. You know, you can't drop uh, a third down contested catch that's going to keep the first drive of the game going and giving Dylan confidence. Uh, what did you wear all those goggles for? What were those 10,000 catches for? What are those laundry baskets over your head for if you're not going to make them on third and four? So we're going to need that from our from our uh, talented guys out wide. Yeah, can, I, can I see some more Cade down the middle, please? Like. Like I, I don't think Oregon's them. I, I, I really don't. I mean, what do we think? Yeah. I might be a homer, but I don't think any Pac-12 linebacker. Okay, but I think Dylan's just struggling to throw across the middle. Uh, I think he's just mm -hmm. he has to be able to see the throw, see the lane, and you know our, our you know the O line is very very big, and I just think his arm slot arm angle. He's throwing sliders out there. You know, it's uh it's just unfortunate, but. Because if, if you look at any crossing route, it's always kind of sort of behind or kind of sort of low. Or um, if you look at any even deep crosser or post-type routes, he's just kind of like throwing the spots. Um, he, now, had a, I, he had a couple digs last game that were just like single coverage. You got a 15-yard you you know, uh, hard cut in at the top of the, the 15 yards, and he's not coming close. And it's that, just like you said, that arm angle trying to go across the middle um, he just doesn't look confident on it, and, and he just isn't seeing the ball out of his hand. Start, Sam. I, I think something that uh, is going to be big is when we see the the not the depth chart, but the starting lineup for that offensive line. That's what's going to tell me if we're going to win the game or if we're serious about winning the game or not. I swear I'm not trying to be you know weird or whatnot, but Jackson at this point prepare for the league. I want Troy in there. If I don't see if I don't see Troy out there, you know what I mean, then I know that and I'm not. I, I love the dogs to death, but if I if I don't see Troy out there starting, then I know we're not serious about winning, and it's just a showcase game for talent. Uh, KT versus Jackson, all that kind of stuff. Um, I get you probably can't hold out a, a senior left tackle who's a top. You know, for a first-round pick, day one pick, but at the same time, he's he was not playing at the level that Troy was in the run game, which we needed. So, Squids, last this last game, did you see like different from the uh, with the O line? Yeah, one of the things that we used to do that we aren't really uh, is we would run this like zone play. It's not even like uh, – it's like zone blocking techniques to the inside and not really down blocking techniques. Uh, and then we pull the backside guard. And then – but because you're zone blocking, it's it's easier to get, like, uh, uh, penetration up front. 
And so you'd have like the right guard kind of try to zone block or almost like a reach block or something. The, the defensive tackle and that defensive tackle get pre- uh, penetration. And then the, the backside guard pulling would run into that guy. And it was just like, and even if he got past, he didn't really have anyone to block because it was like this weird zone blocking thing up front. And we got rid of that entirely. Uh, every time that I saw that we were pulling guys, it was actual like actual down blocking that uh, uh, was taking place. And that opens up holes. And it was, it was a much, much more effective uh, run scheme, I guess. Uh, and then we would yeah. do an, an inside zone play. Uh, you know, with actual zone blocking, but it was at least a coherent, you know, zone or blocking scheme. So it, we seem to have gotten rid of that, which is great. Uh, and I think it's it suits our guys a lot better. And, and we're they, it just no one was being asked to do something impossible uh, when previously, like we would do that multiple times uh, per drive in, in in our previous game. So, yep, and it's less confusing, less complicated for the yep. line. I mean, <clears throat> I thought our running backs, McGrew and Davis, looked great last week. Like, I was not expecting uh, McGrew to have 114 yards and Davis to have 99 on the ground. We ran for 229 total. Like, whoo, where has that been all year? Stanford is yep. the wor- worst run defense in the conference. Now, granted, we faced somebody else that was like very, I think UCLA, who was like the worst pass defense, and we didn't do a damn thing through the air. So it, yeah. it's, it's, it's very inconsistent every week. We didn't do anything through the air uh, against anybody. So. <laughs> I, I hope that we see uh, a mix of pleasant. Play defense and oh. Sorry, go ahead, Jake. I'm saying we didn't do anything big through the air against anybody except Arkansas State, who's the worst big play defense in pretty much all of the Oh, right NCAA, now. yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's not, not surprising that we didn't do anything against UCLA through the air. But And, mm-hmm. and Kamari is supposed to be back for this week as well, so that's yep. good news. Yeah. I was just going to say that. I hope that. that we see Pleasant and Davis, the bulk right. of the carries with a mix of McGrew in there a little bit. I would like to time travel a year previous to this and tell everybody that Kamari Pleasant, we'd be excited that he's playing. And We've been saying that all along. What are you talking about? Literally <laughs> nobody. Literally no. nobody. Do we want to do a uh, score prediction? Do it. All right. Uh, Tugs, you're up. 24-21 dogs. Ooh, I got you. Okay. I'm, I'm with you. On- all right. Hood. I got 24-23 dogs. Woo! Nail lighter. All right, DJ. Uh, 27-20, the loser ducks. Ooh. Yeah. All right, Squint. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I'd say 20-27. I'd say what did you say, DJ? 27-20? Yeah, 27-20. Yeah. Okay. Jacob. I was going to say 27-24 Ducks. And uh, I'm going to round us out. We all seem to like that 27 number. I'm saying 27-17 Oregon. Oof. I mean, oh. really. I'd love to be wrong. I'd love to be wrong. I was wrong, wrong last please. week. Like, let's make it two in a row. I'd love to be wrong. I just I don't know who scores that many points. Like, both offenses are shit. Yeah, especially in the rain. Honestly, True. I think it might be lower. 
Maybe it's going to be fumble be returns for touchdown, short Love fields, it. and field goal. Love to see it. Love I'll, I'll change it. my hey, prediction to 10 points less for on, both teams. 10 points less, yeah. 17-14. You know it's going to be us. Yeah, true. Us, so. Hopefully it's not a last-second one, though. Oh. Against Oregon. Oh, <laughs> God. Do not. Don't go there, DJ. I'm so raw from that, all right? Wait, all how right, do you so... – oh, go, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I'm – I was just gonna say, Hood, you you say they're a bad offense. They score thirty six points a game. Yeah, uh, they are. Yeah, okay, come on. For, they they scored the hell of us Colorado and Arizona. They, and... they scored fifty two against Colorado, and then they scored forty eight versus Stony Brook. Miss me with that shit. <laughs> and then thirty five yeah, versus Ohio right. State, and ran the same three plays for touchdowns in the red zone, and they fired Gary Gooms at game three. So yeah. All right. So do we? Uh, you know, we had this this emotional high. From you know, winning in a place that we hadn't won in 14 years. Oh no! I know everyone's riding it. Everyone's riding it, and then, um, you know, God bless our head football coach. He goes into the press conference and talks about how we don't compete with the University of Oregon for recruiting because we are an academically prowess institution, and we compete with Stanford, um, Notre Dame among others. And okay, so we're going to talk about the you know the elephant in in the press conference room and that's academically prowess. What do we all think about that? It's stupid. I mean, I get it. <laughs> Please <We're>, stop. <laughs> we we don't compete with Oregon in recruiting in general. There are very few recruits that we're in on that Oregon's in on and vice versa. Uh, in some of the times that we are competing directly against them in the last few years, I mean, we got Roger Rosengarten when we were the final two, Oregon and, and Washington, so that's great. But, I mean, in general, we aren't going after a lot of the same guys. Um, that said, if Jimmy is saying that we're going to compete against the Notre Dames and the Stanfords of the world, I want to know what he's talking about when we lose guys like Tevarua Defiti and Benjamin Morrison that were rumored to be silent commits to us and we lose them to those academically prowess schools that we're supposed to be competing against. So, I mean, just shut the fuck up, honestly. Like, why are we even talking about this? The correct answer, I think someone in the, in the GC said it was, we recruit the way we recruit, we don't worry about other schools. You move on to the next question, and it's fine. But now you're giving bulletin board material to Oregon, but as Quint said, the Oregon players can't read, so it's fine. But, I mean, it, it's just an unnecessary comment that is just so easy to turn against us that we don't need right now. We're already down this year as a program. We don't need more shit to be dealing with. But, I mean, Jimmy can't keep his fucking mouth shut, so, I mean, whatever. Nailed it. Well, I what I said on Twitter is, like, you know, you, you can say what Jimmy said if yeah. two things are true. Number one, you're having a great football year. You're having a great year in football. And number two, you are killing it with recruiting. And he's not doing either of those things. And so what you need to do, you, you cannot brag about something that you have no credit for. And no coach at the University of Washington can take credit for the University of Washington. Because right. they just work there in the athletic realm. They don't have any part of the success of the University of Washington. So that tends to be what people point to as a success when they don't have wins. And so when you do that, it's like, well, you don't have anything else to brag about. So that's, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel. So you yeah. need to take a seat. And just like you'd like Jacob said, like 
we recruit the way we recruit. We don't worry about anybody else. Leave it at that. But what you've done is you've highlighted it and said like, oh, now, like he, he said academically prowess, which is we're recruiting the smart correct. kids and not anybody else. And, um, you know, it's just it's unnecessary. It's like, you know, it's the, the reason that Coach Pete used to have a gag on the dudes on Apple Cup week. Maybe Jimmy Lake should gag himself with the media on hate week. <laughs> because you're, this is not what we need. He is he has been a distraction this week, and to his he understands that now because he had to issue a statement today, probably under duress from his boss and his boss's boss, saying he actually respects the University of Oregon because I think he kind of irritated Anna Marie Kause with what he said, because now she's having to do dirty work with the Oregon president saying like, what are you? What's your head football coach saying about our university? Don't you respect us? So he's he had a foot and mouth kind of issue, and he had to he had to walk it back. And um, I, I think he kind of tarnished the goodwill that we had coming in this week. So Tugs, yeah. And then he said uh, on the Softy show, they oh yeah, with one show he he said uh, they said say something about Oregon in in three words, and he he named four, and they're like that's four. Words. <laughs> that's like, four words. Oh, I put out a tweet about that, and I'm surprised nobody really latched onto it. It's like, this is the same coach that said we're competing against academically prowess schools. Oh, I saw it. I fucking hate it here. (laughs) But, I mean, yeah, I mean, what Leah said, you can say stuff like that when you're doing well in the field and you're recruiting well, and specifically when you're recruiting well against the schools that you say you're recruiting against, but you're not. And, I mean, I don't have a problem with him talking his shit about Oregon. I mean, talk your shit. I don't care. I'm all for making this rivalry more heated. I don't care about that. But when you're doing it in a way that is just going to open up the floodgates for the Oregon fans to talk shit about you, then it, it's unnecessary. And I, I don't think it's a... Fans. <laughs> yeah, it's not helpful. School's on fans. It, yeah, it doesn't enhance the rivalry. It just makes us look shitty. Yeah. So I've I've had a couple of days to digest it. So it's you know we've gone through like the first cycle, second cycle, third cycle now. Uh, but I I do think it speaks to a little bit about like, are we really limiting ourselves to only a certain type of person, a certain type of recruit? Like, let's go get the best players, right? Like, I, I get you have to have academic standards, and you, they need to be able to to get into the school. But, you know, come on, like, uh, uh, Notre Dame is either in the CFP or, or on the verge of the CFP most of the years now. Like, let's let's get that, right? Or let's figure out a different way to get there. Uh, and they expanded their recruiting as well over the last couple yeah, of years. Exactly. Game. exactly. Uh, but on the other hand, like, Honestly, a couple days from now, like, no one's really going to give a shit about this. Like, right. If we, if we win, no one's, no one's going to care what Jimmy said about Oregon. If anything, like I'm latching on that and I'm burying Oregon fans with that. Like, so, so it just like heightens. Yeah. It just hit heightens the importance of this game. Like, all right, you got a big, you put a big target on your back. You know, if it works out, it's gonna really, really work out. But if it doesn't, like that's that's you kind of set yourself up for that. And I want to hear what Hood says, but uh, the the only thing I'll, I'll add there, because you guys 
hit all the points I was going to say is, and uh, to what Squints was saying, yeah, after thinking about it a couple of days, I think it was a tad bit overblown. Uh, you know, the, the media kind of latched onto it, but still doesn't take anything back that he shouldn't have said it. And uh, yeah, but yeah, it can all change. Uh, no, no one can, well, it, no one will really talk about it as much if it, we win in two days or a day whenever this pod comes out. I don't know. Yo, it's crazy. I like nail on head every single person. Like, <laughs> like I, I really, I really fucks with uh, J Cap and Leah's like explanation. Um, just how like I don't think we us and Oregon go after the same targets for the most part. We do kind of go after the same targets as Stanford and Notre Dame. I, I would say just for perspective, whenever Jimmy Lake is talking about recruiting, he's referring to whenever uh, his whole tenure. He's referring to 2014 as well. So I think people don't understand that. And they think, and, and sure, Mario has beat him in recruiting the last two years for some, guy, for some guys that just are geographically in the same area due to COVID. People aren't able to expand, you know, um, you know their uh, footprints and things like that. So I think we had to compete with them in the last couple cycles. But for the most part, we don't. Uh, we do compete with a lot of USC, Notre Dame, and Stanford. The thing is, is also these cycles, we've lost the majority of our guys to those people that you consider rivals. So at that point, kind of be quiet. Um, also, Notre Dame and Stanford are on two separate spectrums, you know, in the program trajectory is. So which one are you saying you are? You know, yeah. so I think you guys are all right. Um, I, I will say that I love the it, it's crazy how people say that uh, beta this, beta that, beta this. And then somebody decides to be alpha. And then he gets ripped up for it. And then he apologizes. Now he's beta again. So it's like I think you got a lot of people out there looking for reasons, uh, most definitely. But I like the energy. And if he comes out with the dub, you know, it's momentum for him and this whole team the rest of the year. Um, so, yeah. Jimmy just needs to hire me to talk his shit for him. Come on, man. You be his Jimmy, angry yeah. translator. Jimmy, Jimmy, let me know. I'll do it he, and Peel, he and Peel yeah. angry translator. Yes. Dude. I'll be the, I'll, I, I volunteered to be the athletic director for a fraction of what the current yeah. athletic director is being paid. And they've just not, they big fat not called my number. So I don't know what to do. Yeah. I mean, what Hood was saying, I didn't really think about it that way where Jimmy's talking about his tenure recruiting against those academically prowess teams. And, I mean, if you think about it, who has he pulled against those academically prowess teams? He's gotten guys like Trent McDuffie, who we beat out Notre Dame and Stanford for, or Asa Turner, Julius Irvin, and those kinds of guys, which props to him. They are playing well for our team right now, so great. Um, But over the last couple of cycles, it's just it feels like something that's very tone-deaf to say in the current climate of Pac-12 football. Isn't isn't Oregon bragging about, like, how they are a national brand and, like, they got the top player in 20... the top player in, like, 10, 13 different states or something like that? So it's not not a disrespectful thing to say that you don't go after the same guys because we're not going after those same guys. Like, I would would consider somebody a rival if we're going at... If you're the top... If your top guy on my board... If, if my top guy on my board is the same top guy on your board, then we're competing against each other. Right. But if you got 10 people ahead of that guy, like we had Trent McDuffie top on our board for any position in his class. Did Oregon, did Bama, you know what I mean? So who's really competing with us for our top guys on our, on our board? And, you know, so 
I think that's very important to kind of understand when he when you're kind of deciphering what he's saying there. But to Leah's points about how it kind of escalated up the chain, like I can definitely see how that was an executive issue as well. Yeah, because their their president said something, didn't he? He defended the program, defended, uh, spoke up about Chris Peterson, kind of left Jimmy hanging, Jimmy's name hanging. Whatever. You win, he takes care of all that stuff. That's right. Oh. Let's go take care of it on Saturday. Let's that's, go. That's what we've been saying all off season, and then we didn't didn't win. So I don't trust yep. it. <laughs> yep. All right. So we've taken care of academically prowess. Um, Montlake futures in the NIL. Dude, I'm actually super hyped about that. That's super Whoa. cool. I mean, it's it's way yell it, Jacob. Yell it. It's it's way behind schedule. We should have had this going in the off season, but since it's here now, I have to speak on it now. So I'm very excited about it. I think it's really cool. I think that Chris Peterson being involved in it is a humongous draw to the program. Um, a lot of places we're, we're saying that UW has a very high potential for NIL deals before something like this happened before Jen even gave a fuck about it. But um, right now with that in place, I, I just think about what it could have been if we had it in the off season or just before the season started um, to kind of ride that momentum that we were all feeling before the season started, before things like Montana happened. But when we're a preseason top 20 team and if we had something like this rolling at the same time, it would be really cool. Who did, um, though? True, true. But, I mean, other schools were, were more out front with it. And, I mean uh, – Oregon, I mean, had had stuff going on with, with KT and with Nike and, and Phil. I don't remember exactly when Phil Knight's deal with KT came about, but um, I do feel like we're a little behind the eight ball with, with rolling out this NIL program. But it is very cool. I think that it will draw a lot of guys to the program. Uh, that want to live in a metropolitan hub while they go to college and make some money with some big-time companies and then set up that kind of networking thing uh, for after football. So I think all in all, it's going to do us very well um, across all sports, not necessarily mm -hmm. just, just with football, with basketball, women's basketball, softball, that kind of stuff uh, that is performing well. So uh, all things considered, I think it's great. It's a little late, but... I don't think there's a way to look at this as a negative. Yeah, Tug. Better, better late than never. Right. But uh, I love all the uh, husk pro dogs that are involved, and Sis Bates is involved. I love that. And uh, KP. Kelsey Plum. Kelsey Plum. Oh yeah, Kelsey Plum. Yes, yes. And then, uh, but it would have been nice to uh, have this in place when Ben Roberts was here and committed to us before he got flipped to uh, TDS. Um, but better late than never, I'm super because I think it's only going to help like keep keep uh, players here and, and money while they are in school and out and stuff like that. 
Yeah, I think it's cool. Actually, even more than the money are just just as important as the money and as far as like the long-term futures of the student-athletes that we have. It's just the exposure and like the internships that are available. Like there's there's so much so much money to be made after your career is over and just having something that's like, hey, here's a program where you're going to get, you know, involvement with uh, those companies that were made, right? Like, you're the, those companies that were named, like, that is, it may, it may not be the most splashy thing, but I think that's going to be an area where, you know, we, it can actually make a significant impact on the student athletes' lives over the long term. Um, so uh, that that's one side of the thing. The other crazy thing is, uh, how about Chris Peterson leading this? Like, Chris Peterson was like, Hey, this this stuff is NIL stuff is just insane. I'm out. Like it's it's not compatible with what I know, with what I'm good at. College football's changing. I'm out. And he comes back two years later. And now he's like leading this effort. Uh, was completely out of left field. Did not see him do that. Um, but I, I do think that's that's cool to see him heading that up and, and spearheading this effort. So could we take him out of the TCU uh, head coach running? <laughs> you would think, but yeah. it's college football. That's college football. He's been out. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I'm excited like the rest of you all. Like, I think this is great. Uh, I mean, I don't have a whole lot to add because you guys said everything that I was going to say again. And, yeah, I, I like that. I didn't realize the, the I think he's a COO of uh, the – what's that? I can't see. I'm terrible pronouncing names, but Deloitte. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. The the Deloitte or the one Deloitte. of the big four Deloitte. accounting. Yeah, yep. one of the big four accounting firms. Uh, I didn't realize that he was like a big UW guy, and then yeah, the Amazon CEO. So like having those big names is is big, uh, and so yeah, I think that's great. You know, I don't think it moves the needle on like getting maybe like the five-star top 50 guys because it's not like from the sounds of it it's not like they're like here's 250,000 without doing anything kind of stuff uh they actually have to do a little bit on the side so but i think it can definitely help maybe those like mid four-star recruits that we're missing out on like uh right now and so yeah i think this is could be a game changer if they if they do it right and if if they get the right players in like they do with the former you know guys and gals with a uh, with plum so yeah i'm excited for it because let's like go ahead Hood, go ahead oh i was just gonna say like them announced like this is the second announcement in relation to a program or in uh, uh something funded that's in relation to nil uh it was the first one was like boundless futures or something like that where it's like it, the actual educational program in relation to making these deals, et cetera. So it seems like they're going to take this like super serious in relation, like you're going to have to earn this, work hard for this, understand the business elements of it. I think they also teamed up uh, with with Fosters as well too. Uh, so yeah. yeah, it just it just seems like it just seems like they're taking it they're taking it super serious in relation to getting deals with um, these big money corps, um, but to also. To what you said, uh, uh, DJ, I think the biggest thing for me was um, just kind of finding out that there is enough money and willingness to kind of compete for a national title uh, from local alums and, 
you know, and some donors. So that was that was some national title aspiration vibes that was you know put into this decision. So or put into this uh, program. So I appreciate the the move. Nice statement. That's what we need. We don't have obviously a Phil Knight. We need a bunch of people to come together, and that's what it looks like it's happening. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, just get more. Everyone else that all the companies that wasn't named from Seattle, they can get included and just get everyone on board. Yeah, Jeff Bezos, why don't you just go ahead and give one of your billion to you, Jeff? Yeah, well, that's nothing, right? For him? That's like, that's like a penny. <laughs> I got like 184. Yeah. Give us one. We got to remember, like, Jen was real, Jen said what, she was real nervous about, like, just because the rules kind of weren't black and white, so she just didn't know what to do and things like that. And it really took, like, you see a lot of these deals were done by, you know, um, you know, private business. So, like, um, we really needed our our alums to come together and kind of make this happen because our athletic department just was would rather not take the risk at creating these relationships, et cetera. So I'm just glad to see that as well, too. I think that like with dropping, dropping quote unquote bags is I feel like the NCA is not like really worried about that anymore. And Oregon is the only team that has a Phil Knight, AKA an owner that will just drop money like that. I mean, how many kids really got paid? KT viewers. Um, there's a few, a kid down in Bama, right hood or, uh, um, I think I think a lot of kids are out here getting getting bags. Georgia, uh, Spencer Rattler, um, Miami, DJU, Derek, Derek, Derek King, DJ. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Derek King probably made the most money, but nobody's <laughs> saying nobody's saying UW needs nil deals like Miami. That's you know, crazy. Yeah, because they're losing. You know what I Those mean? Guys so are like so many deals. <laughs> And that's why it's bothersome to me is there like this aspiration to be UO or these like comparisons always to them as if they were first or they're the best. And it's like, Jesus Christ, bro. Like if you look down, uh, if you look at DJU, DJU making more money than the second person receiving money at uh, at Oregon. You know, KT making a bunch of dough, but <clears throat> you got the, what about the second and third and fourth person? What I would say maybe Noah Sewell. But who else is out there out there making something? I've seen now. I'm not saying it's a lot of money or you know big deals, but I've seen at least five plus guy of our guys show public deals. You know, Taimani, um, Jackson, you know, Trent, Kyler, Sam. You know, I've seen a bunch of them. But for some reason, people are only focused on these big programs that are created and not these micro deals. Kyler's card is, is kind of kind of dope, honestly. That oh, card deal that he got, uh, I can't remember what the company is, but he posted like a card card deal that he got that was pretty sick. Who, who was that? Kyler Gordon. Kyler. Ky Kyler and Sam have like trading cards that were made for him. Like what other, I mean, I, I obviously understand like Ewers is getting paid, but I haven't seen any other freshmen around the country, maybe Bryce Young, but he's a redshirt freshman, any other freshman around the country getting any love like that. Like we had Megwa literally quit senior year high school to come take advantage of NIL. But we're behind the, the these other like what I I don't I don't get it but no I was it was good to see the deal I'm super jacked about it I think it's gonna help a ton of getting these four stars and uh, I mean there's only a few kids freshmen around the league or around the country that are getting huge deals like yours and that's 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 it that's it's it's this program. 
like you said, the, the first one, that the boundaries, and then this one that dropped, that's going to be huge for UW. Like we have, we're, we're, we have so many huge companies, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Alaska Airlines, you know, I mean, it list goes on and on. Boeing, I mean, the list goes on and on that could uh, help these kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just excited we got something something in place to counter uh, uh, Mr. Blood Money himself, uh, the, the, the king of the uh, sweatshops. Uh, Mr. Vampire. <laughs> Mr. Vampire Phil Knight. You d- Jimmy Legs Van Helsing? <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So do we want to talk Some about recruiting. the offer. Recruit. Gil. The offer. Who wants to take Flip that season. one? Not even. Not even just Gil either. Oh man. DJ talk about names, man. Uh, sorry. I'm, I'm probably mess this one up too. But uh, Samuel Omizigo. Omizigo. The wide receiver also got a got an offer as well, or the athlete also got an offer as well. So DeAndre Gill and and him. So twenty. What's the background of that name? Where's that from? It sounds I crazy. Don't, I don't know. It's it seems nice. It seems uh, like it's African. So I would, yeah, uh, I would that's what assume I Nigerian. Too. Yeah, we yeah. have we go after that demographic pretty heavily. For sure. Um, yeah. yeah. So. That's uh, super awesome to see those offers go out. Gil, obviously a local kid. Um, similar situation to kind of like, I would say, Denzel Boston and these other local guys that we really were, avo- Jalen Green, that were advocating to get offers. And, you know, we weren't really, you know, showing them too much love, committed to UCLA. And, you know, now they're, that might be shaken up a little bit. So you potentially could see, hey, it's flip season. And, you know, I would also like to add that, like, you could tell that Lake is starting to get a um, – you, you can kind of get a clearer view of the, the, the attrition um, later on in the season to kind of see who your feeling is going to stay, who your feeling is going to leave, especially when that's kind of held you back in recruiting this, this cycle. So now you can kind of go after these guys just to get bodies in the room because uh, if you plan on practicing as hard as you've been practicing these kids, you're going to need the bodies, you know, to kind of throw out there. So um, Gil's just a start to that in, in relation to offers for 22. I, and I think uh, I think COVID and not being able to have kids come in and like spend time with the coaching staff, you know, I'm Gills down the road at Kentwood. Um, I'm sure he's been to UW a couple times, but to like come in and that's where I feel like we um, lock kids up is on official visits and not having those official visits is uh, crucial. I think Lake's been in a in a living room. I don't think yeah, to talk no, to any, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I don't think he has either. Pull up. Somebody pulling up. Good boy. <laughs> All I heard yeah, was uh, that, that right that right going on. Just like, glug, 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 glug. That, that right hitting different. Right. Anyone Dude, have any That was a four-finger four. Anything else yep. to add for the pod tonight? I oh, think we all we are. Just beat just Oregon. Beat Oregon. Beat Oregon. Nothing else matters. DeAndre Gill is probably a flip. 
Offer so, Jabari. Uh, prepare for that. Offer Jabari. Offer Lechner. Trey Lechner. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Dude, offer Trey Lechner for Y'all see that? I tried to I told you. That's the local Dude. boy too. Also, Loki, I'm still mad that they didn't offer Ashton. <laughs> I, I feel that. Yeah, I feel that too. Though, but yeah. I'm, I'm, and I I'm mean, working. he kept tweeting like a while back that TCU was the real purple, and then TCU fired their head coach, and he wanted to be a dog so bad. And he did. This coaching staff just fucked him over. And now they're offering all these. They're offering twenty three receivers. Like, bro, you guys had a layup right here, bro. You either offer you know. Ashton or you offer Jalen Green, and you haven't offered either, and you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> I I completely Mike agree. There. Lock in, you lock in, you lock in, Jalen. You potentially get Caleb and Josh, and it's like, what? Right. Why is that exactly. not a no-brainer? And they're, I think exactly. their running back is also a, like a, a fringe three-star too. So it's like you can pull in these. You 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 go after O'Day recruits all day, every day. Go Beach got a pipeline right now. Go after it. Yeah, it doesn't make any. I mean, they don't understand this idea of offering guys teammates that are D one level to get the teammate that they want. And I feel like they, they did that with with uh, Garbers and and Redmond. But why can't you do that with your local guys? Why yeah. can't you do that with Jalen Green and Caleb and Josh, but you can do it for Ethan Garbers and Mark Redmond or whomever it is. But it just doesn't make sense to me why they can't make the offer to, to a guy like Jalen who – Maybe he plays, maybe he doesn't, but I mean, there's no downside to that. But mm-hmm. apparently, to them, they don't want to make that offer. Why aren't you offering Jabari? Because Demo's probably going to leave after this year, and you're going to take two quarterbacks anyway, right? Well, J- Jabari is 23. Jabari, 23. Yep. Yeah, he's Jabari next year. Three. So, yeah, I mean, makes even more I mean, sense to offer him. The the last thing I'll say in relation is to is so see James Franklin is, is James Franklin yeah. gonna stay at Penn State because yeah. that leaves Drew Alar up for grabs. So Whoa. oh please, Whoa. I'm not getting my hopes up, uh, but that'd be I, awesome. I I don't know if Drew Drew would leave Penn State with James Franklin. I don't know, but even so, I don't know if we were doing that great of a job recruiting him to begin with. Maybe John Don has an eye for talent but can't coach it. But well. I don't know. Didn't didn't he like for some reason like John Don and then John Don's probably gonna be fired. Yeah, yeah, he really did. Uh, yeah, that, I'm not gonna hope so, but that'd be awesome. <laughs> All right, y'all. All right, yeah. All right, should we wrap it up? All right. Been real. All right. Go dogs. Go dogs. Fuck the duck. Fuck Go the duck. Beat, beat Oregon. Beat, beat the Mallards. Oregon. I got money on this. Let's go. Let's go.